Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by a full house. It's Patty Barkley, it's Tony Cascarino, and it's Stuart Robson. Today we'll be discussing Arsenal's defeat of plucky, lovable little Blackpool, and also West Brom's excellent win at Sunderland. We'll also be debating that sea of dead rubber that is the Champions League quarterfinals. Or is it? So please join us for the next 40 minutes or so. It'll be some of the best football conversation you'll hear from this media organization all week. I'm just so excited at the prospect of having three guests in the studio. Stuart, let's start with you. Um, Blackpool and Arsenal, a a sunny day. I'm I'm told, I've only been to Blackpool once in my life. I'm told it's kind of place you guys all all enjoy going to for for holiday and stuff. And it was actually sunny as well, which I'm not sure if it was supposed to be, if that's part of the Blackpool uh, backdrop. Um, But the important thing for Arsenal, and I can see you're all happy, uh, is... They got the win. They halt the slide. Everything going swimmingly? Not really. I, it was, it, they got a victory. Yes, they're quite right. But they were playing against a Blackpool team for the first 15 minutes. Blackpool pressed them, tried to play high up the field and caused Arsenal problems. But once Arsenal, which they have to earn the right to play, once they realised they had to play beyond Blackpool's midfield, the defending from Blackpool, I've got to say, is the worst I've ever seen in a Barclays Premier League game. The You're two telling us how good Everett and Cathcart were all season long. I've never said Everett Ever and Cathcart are good defenders. They tried to play an offside line, which was suicidal. They didn't see danger. They can't run. It was embarrassing. If Arsenal had played the football they should have played and played beyond Blackpool's midfield, every time they got the ball, they could have won the game 8-9-0. Cass, do you agree with this withering assessment <laughs> of uh, Blackpool's defenders? Well, you can't disagree, can you? I mean, is it ironic they've conceded 66 goals this year and every game I see them, I think it's going to be the Irish Premiership goal-scoring game of the day. Mm. Um, they, I saw them at Fulham and I've got to say... Blackpool stood off Fulham and they absolutely got battered and if you let good players play and Arsenal have a lot of good players and Stuart was right they did it for the first 20 minutes but once they did concede it could have been any score and Arsenal did it at will Um, they've got to be harder to beat they can get goals they've got players like Adam and I think DJ Campbell and Taylor Fletcher for me they look like they've got players who can get a goal, but if you're going to have so many chances or give so many opportunities away to the opposition, you're going to end up losing too many games. And Blackpool have fallen into that trap. A little bit of confidence is being ebbed away from them. I just think that they've got to be harder to beat in the next few weeks if they've got any chance. Paddy, um Stuart said that they, they, they pressed high up the pitch, yeah. and, but then he also castigated them for keeping a high line. Yes. Yeah, uh, well, you kind of have to be you can, on, uh, Yes, I, I was wondering how, how, yeah, how those uh, criticisms could be reconciled. Um, but what's the question? <laughs> I was just giving you a chance to have a row <laughs> with uh, No, no, with not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cross swords with him, but it's, it seems to me that it's quite simple that Blackpool are a trade-off. I remember Swindon Town with John Gorman uh, many years ago after they'd gone up under Hoddle, doing the same thing, just just going out and playing football as if for enjoyment. Uh, Carlisle did the same thing when they overachieved many, many moons ago. Just came up and have fun. See, tried to see how many goals they could score and hoped that there'd be fewer in their net. It's not fun now, though, Paddy, is it? Because now it's turning it into a I think bit it of a is. disastrous No, run. I don't think it is. They're always going to go down. Uh, even if they were as well organised as, uh, as, 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 as you uh, two pros would, would have them be, 
and I'm sure could could make them tighter, they're still going to go down. So You have to get the balance, Paddy, between attacking football and defensive football. But if you've got one of the three worst sets of players in the league, if everyone's organised to the same level and, and you've got one of the three worst sets it's, of it's players... It's the worst set of the, players in the league. In, uh, well, yes, possibly. Um... Uh, yeah, possibly. Uh, then you're going to go down anyway. So go down playing great football. And I don't think Blackpool, if they are relegated, will feel it's been a bad season. I hope they don't, because they've made, they've helped to make make it a good season for me as a neutral. But if they, if yeah, there's a there's a contradiction of saying pressing the ball, and if and, and the two centre halves trying to play a high line because. I always think if you press the ball and Barcelona do it really well, but the one area that people mm. are going to play is in behind you. If you press the ball high up, they're going to play it in behind you. So your centre halves need to be on the half turn, ready to f- defend the space behind them, also ready to go and close the ball down if it goes into the centre ball. But Blackpool yesterday were trying to step up for offside when they were, were they were trying to do it in half a pitch, and, mm. and, and uh, Cesc Fabregas had time on the ball. Van Persie was yeah. spinning into space. His midfield players were running forward. You cannot defend like that. It's it's impossible to to defend properly if you're trying to gamble on offsides time I, and time again. I, I also kind of feel that, um, and we will move on from Blackpool, please, uh, uh, fans of the Big Four. We'll do that in just a minute. Um, I also, I, and I know he's a wonderfully uh, skilled player and mm. some people have him as a player of the year, but I also think Charlie Adams, uh, Charlie Adam, to me, mm. is just a very static player mm. um, yeah. when he doesn't have the ball. We can say, oh, that's fine, you know, he's a skilled player. But I think for a team like Blackpool, you know, you're kind of when you don't have the ball, you're basically carrying a passenger, and, and you can't do without him because he's eighty yes. percent of your uh, of your you know attacking prowess. But well, they're, they're, it, it seems tricky. Some, they can be sometimes. I mean, I remember watching Andy Reid at Charlton and yes. at, at Sunderland, and fantastic on the ball. It'll be creative on. for you. And and Charlie Adam is that. He, when they've got the ball, he's always got an option. He can find a path. The moment people get beyond you, and Stuart touched on it, when they get at your back four and you're trying to close up. Teams who've got good players who get their head up will find a pass really quickly, and they'll do it quick. The third goal of Arsenal was just into Fabregas really quickly. He just flicks it on, helps it, and he takes the whole of the Blackpool, Blackpool back line out with one pass, and that's where they're falling down but for even, You even look at the positions that the Blackpool defenders were taking up. Walcott is standing in behind Craney. The problem Blackpool also have, they're asking their full-backs, they're asking too much of their full-backs, they're asking Craney to get forward and get crosses in, they're asking Baptiste to get crosses in. Now, when you have that, you usually have two holding midfield players that are willing to get back out into the full-back areas to cover that, those spaces, but they don't even have that. So, Craney, I mean, how much work they've had to do over this season must be amazing. They've got forward... <laughs> High pace, then they're, they're running back at high pace. He just can't do it. Um, just moving on, hey, Ollie, uh, another member of the shaven headed fraternity here, mm-hmm. um, is was kind of on the warpath after the game. I mean, Kasielny on, on Taylor Fletcher could have been a penalty. And then this bizarre refereeing, I, I thought, um, with the goal, where, you know, if you could argue that if he hadn't scored, then Jens Lehmann could have been sent off it was Stuart do you, do you want to describe the, the, the situation with the, with the Blackpool goal well the, the, the Blackpool goal first of all you talked about bad defending Arsenal played very square no one pressed the ball they played the ball in between them and the, and the player goes on the run in between the full back and the centre half Lehman comes out the ball's taken past Lehman he brings the player down in the area and Blackpool the ball goes to Taylor Fletcher he puts it in on the other side uh, and I don't think the referee did anything to Lehman did he 
First of all, he went back to book Jack Wilshere on yeah. the halfway line for a tackle that he'd made that, uh, where he tried to stop the move. He booked the Englishman instead of the German. Exactly. And, I, you know, I think Jans Lehmann got away with it. Arsenal got away with it. And they also got away with the penalty decision as well because Taylor Fletcher actually had quite a decent game. And I didn't think he had as much skill as he showed yesterday. He ran at Arsenal's back four. Kossioni came out. He played a little square ball. And Kossioni clattered into him. It should have been a penalty. But what, what got me too about that was if, if he hadn't scored... He's, uh, Lehmann would have to go. And, would, and they would get a penalty. Yes. That so, would, I, 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 I don't agree with the rule, <laughs> right. but that would, uh, under the current laws, he would have had to be sent off because it was a goal-scoring opportunity and, and a penalty. <laughs> What's so amazing, and we've touched on there, and I get really frustrated with Arsenal. There's a couple of incidences. They just fall down. Gal Cliche, who's done it probably half a dozen times this year, gets caught on the ball with a real suicide pass or attempt to pass in a really bad area. And... And Arsenal are there for the taking defensively. They really are at times. They will give you chances. And they've survived a couple of nervy moments where, again, they could have easily won three or four. Moving on, big news at Arsenal. Um, silent Stan Kroenke mm-hmm. is, uh, is upping his, shape, his stake. He's buying shares from, from Danny Fisman and, and Lady Nina Bracewell. Um, I take a step back for those who don't know or have or, or have forgotten the story, yeah. Yeah. but basically um, Arsenal's ownership is very diffuse. Yeah. You've got all these uh, old school blue blood types like Danny Fisman, like Lady Nina, uh, like Lady uh, Nina Bracewell and Smith. By the way, is the Everton midfield of the mid eighties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, like like this other man named Sir Chips, who I'm sure is a close personal friend of Stewart's. Um, um, and and then a few years ago, when things started going a bit funny, they had to uh, um, they brought in other investment. And one of those people who bought it is um, a man named Alisher Usmanov, who I don't I think it's safe to say is not very much liked by the people who run Arsenal. Um, and, uh, uh, and 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 so they went and they brought in Stan Kroenke, who is married to um, the Walmart heiress, among other things, and is a very wealthy man in his own right. So. The, the long and short of it is, and I'm sorry about this digression, but there are people out there who don't know, is that Stan Kroenke now looks like he's going to buy the club. Um, you got there. I got there. Um, Did you just repeat that? <laughs> I, Stuart, Stan Kroenke, he owns several teams in the United States. Yeah. Um, he's known as Silent Stan because he's got no charisma whatsoever. Um which maybe you don't need if you're if, if if you're an owner. Not everybody can be as lovable and, and exciting as Sheikh Mansour. But um, <laughs> what? Or indeed uh, the Glazer family. Or the Glazer family. There you go. See, our owners did like Mr. Berlusconi. We're best, a lot better than that. Chairman are like referees. The best ones are the ones you never notice. Oh yes. No. I okay. just made that up. Okay, good. Because that, that's silly. Because as Silvio Berlusconi keeps repeating on a daily basis, he has won more trophies than any other owner in history. And you certainly do notice him, especially when yes. he's wearing his heels. And Alfaya's um, done well as well. And he's very high profile. Yes. Of course, Alfaya, I think, has won about as much as Cascarino has in terms of trophies. But I think he's been to the Europa League final as often as Cas has, at least. Have you ever been to Europa League final? Uh, Even no. as a fan, as a help me out here. As a oh jerk. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Um, but, no, but basically, the, the, the point of Kroenke is your reputation, certainly in the United States, is being extremely cheap and stingy. Uh, basically, like Walmart, effectively. Or um, Arsenal. Or indeed, as Patty says, you know, 
the arsenal of recent years, although Wenger says that's not the case because he's got wads and wads of money, just doesn't spend it. Um, Patty, this strikes me as kind of consolidation and yeah. not much is going to change here. If yes. anything, things that money's going to get even tighter. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think it's going to change very much. Um, Arsenal are already behaving as if financial fair play were in operation, very wisely in my opinion. Um, and uh, I, th- I, I think this guy sounds like a safe pair of hands to me I mean I've uh, he's criticized for example just for those to yeah. give you an idea in in the NBA uh, yes. I, you know he owns the Denver Nuggets there's there's a salary cap there's a limit what you can spend mm-hmm. um, he's way under the salary cap um, to the point that they actually have to have a salary floor as well like you have to spend a certain amount yes. of money to make yes. your team yeah. semi-competitive um, and, and he gets and, and he's been hammered um, for that by the fans his, mm. he, he owns a hockey team which is kind of a, a running joke yes. in the sense that just because it's the same arena which he also happens to own he's like oh I'll put a hockey team yep. in there so I can fill the non-basketball yep. I mean that's the criticism there is an obvious, I, 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 know what you, I know what you're getting at There's a, there is an will obvious he buy, will he buy Harlequins and have a, him play at the Emirates when a, Arsenal are no, away no, I think that there's far greater danger which is that he's buying it to sell it to Usmanov and uh, really you think yes. this is a real risk yes I do um, I think I don't think Usmanov's playing. You know, Usmanov's a very wealthy man, and he's. I don't think he's his interest in Arsenal is is casual, and I think it's possible that uh, that quite a lot of the, the owners, um, even even including the Fenway Sports Group, are, are buying who, who picked up Liverpool for a very good price in uh, in in the so-called scam. Of the century, um, as the previous owners said, I think that, that 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 there is a chance now with financial fair play coming in uh, that football value, the valuations of football clubs will go through the roof, and I think well, it's, it's, clubs, I think certainly. it is quite possible. Yes, absolutely. I think it's quite possible that uh, if, if, if put it this way, if I were Cronker, if I were Cronker, uh, I would certainly be that would certainly be one of my strategies. Uh, Stuart. Your take on it is, is why, why, do you, why does Paddy describe Usmanov as a risk? I'm not quite sure. I, I don't really follow the uh, ballroom going on at Arsenal, to be honest. Uh, the, the big question is how will it affect Arsene Wenger? That's what, that's what the supporters want to know. Will more money be put into the transfer kitty? Because that's the criticism uh, everyone has of Arsene Wenger. There's, although there's more criticism of Arsene Wenger's tactical nows these days than there ever was before. I mean, at the moment, the only people that are, that are unhappy are the fans because all the shareholders are very happy because uh, Arsenal are getting 70,000 or 60,000 people in there every week. They have the biggest income on a, mm. on a match day. Uh, the, oh, the board can't be happy with Arsene Wenger at the moment. They, they're not worried about winning things at the moment. They're getting lots of money. Mm. Cass, so if there is some future universe where every club is going to be breaking even and everything, mm. we all agree Arsenal will be the best place to do that. And it doesn't really matter if Stan Kroenke's in charge mm. or, or Stan Laurel because the, 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 the key thing is that they'll have a lot of money to spend because they're a very profitable mm. club. So that being the case, if you were an Arsenal fan, would it really matter? Um, yeah, Arsenal have got a stadium that's as good, if not the best in the country. They've got 60,000 watching me each week. The boys touched on the sort of revenue they're making and with relatively not big spending compared to teams around them. Um, the football club is a big business. And I, football, I mean... I've been involved. We've all been involved a long time. I've always saw profits 
as, as being taxable. I can remember when I first joined Aston Villa and they paid 1.2 million. And I remember having a chat with Graham Taylor and he said, well, the chairman needs to buy a player or two because this money's going to go on tax if we have a profit. So clubs making money isn't either here nor there, really. Because why do, why, if they can go and buy a player and it's less tax for them to pay and it's a better player coming to the club, that's going to happen in football. Um, and I don't th- see that differing in the f- in the future. So clubs making money is not really, really a big issue. Um, what is a big issue for me comes down to... It- Arsene Wenger's at a crossroads because there is a little bit ill feeling towards where the club and being second and and what direction are they taking. He's at a crossroad where if he doesn't do big business in the summer and excite fans, I'm not sure the Emirates will be full with 60,000, not just say next year, but the year after. Because you have to be successful in football or add to what you're doing on a regular basis. I think he's he's got to spend and excite the fans that come there on a regular basis because they also are aware with a little bit of big business Arsenal I think would have won the league mm. I, I really believe that I think the league was there for them and I think they're going to look back and certain individuals they could have added to their squad would have made a massive difference they haven't lost there. it yet no yeah. I, I, I think what the big yeah. thing for me Stuart and all of us here is that I don't see them winning it and if I come back at the end of the season, they have, I would, I would more look at the failing of probably Arsenal other teams in the match you're going to win it. Manchester United are going to have to do a, a Devon lock now to, to make that possible. Sunderland and, and West Brom, yeah. I, now, we were originally scheduled to have Tony Evans on the show, and it was, I was hoping to set up another Barkley v. Evans situation because I felt that, yeah. Paddy, you were at a disadvantage earlier this year when the subject was Hodgson yes. at, at Liverpool. Yes. But now the shoe's on the other foot, and you could have gotten. Uh, you could have got the a shoe was only on the wrong foot for a very short period, um, but uh, and and I was amazingly comfortable throughout that experience. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it is a shame Tony's not here. Um, I, I would have loved to have had a chat with him last week when West Bromwich beat Liverpool as well. But uh, you don't always get what you want in the in the world of podcasts. But but if uh, you try, sometimes you'll yeah, get what you need. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, Hodgson always uh, always has been uh, during his career always been a good manager, always will be. Um, he, the chemistry was, uh, in my opinion, hideously wrong uh, at Liverpool. But he's just uh, what, what I find impressive is that what you you find sometimes with managers who have really wounding experiences, and often that is being manager of England. They take a while to recover. I remember Graham Taylor. Um, excellent manager though he had been before an excellent manager though he proved afterwards took a long time to recover from the England experience and I thought that Hodgson's experience at at, um, Liverpool would turn him against the game would give himself terrible self-doubt far from it he's just taken up where he left off and uh, West Bromwich now are are still playing all the beautiful football that they played uh, under Di Matteo but uh, defending well as well And, and it's interesting you were talking before about Charlie Adam and I was thinking yeah but look at Brunt Who's the most creative player uh, at West Bromwich Albion? But he's he's all over the field. He's, in my opinion, he's been outstanding this season. Stuart, was it a case that I mean, as Paddy said, that's better chemistry, and that maybe he's more suited to to working with this type of these types of players? And by these types of players, I don't mean 
bad players, but I mean players. He could manage, he could manage Manchester who, United. He just couldn't manage Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, the special circumstances. But yeah. no, but beyond the special circumstances, is it also that you know this was a team that, that was built with? I mean, there's a lot of technical ability in this side that you know maybe under Robbie D. Even though I personally think he was unlucky to have been to have been to have been sacked, but you know was was a team was, was a good team with gifted players who maybe were more likely to look up to somebody like Roy Hodgson and, and put their put their faith in him more so than the people at Liverpool well I think it always it, it's if you're going into manage a football club you need to be wanted and if you're not wanted and the fans obviously didn't want him because they wanted Kenny Dalglish and Kenny Dalglish being above him at the club was was a real problem for him and because as soon as they lost a couple of games and that's why when Arsene Wenger goes when when Alex Ferguson goes you can't keep them on as director of football or anything like that because they will always as soon as they lose a couple of games everyone would say well Arsene Wenger would have done it this way and Alex Ferguson would have done it that way mm-hmm. and that's what they were always saying bring Kenny Dalglish back in I think Hodgson's a good manager he's a good organiser of teams he didn't get the best out of the Liverpool players but I'm not sure the Liverpool players wanted to get wanted to be uh, got the best out of themselves uh, I, I still believe that until uh, Steven Gerrard is, is, is not at the football club until um, Jamie Carragher to a certain degree is not at the football club Liverpool won't win anything yeah I think they run well, the gee, they, they, well, they, 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 I mean, given that Jamie Carragher is rumoured to, to be moving into coaching soon that mm. what you're saying is some kind of death sentence on Liverpool Football Club because, uh, yeah, because well, no, that's like saying I'm as soon as until the Liver Bird is Steven gone and Jamie Carragher's place right. because whenever Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's a problem. Everyone goes, oh, well, Stephen Gerrard and Carragher, the only ones playing. I bet they're not good with some of the foreign players in the dressing room. I bet, they, I bet they're not bullies. That's the wrong word. But I bet they put some of the foreign players down, don't make them feel particularly welcome. Oh, yeah. uh, it would be different if, if I completely agree with that analysis for what it's worth. And I think it would be different if Jamie Carragher went away, became a successful manager of Tranmere, and then came back to Liverpool as manager. That would be completely different. Because, But at the moment, he's running... Uh, influencing the club in a way in which he's no business to be. If he's a manager, he's supposed to be influencing the club. I think he will be an excellent manager and possibly for Liverpool, but he shouldn't be managing the club from the middle of the defence. Okay, Cass, um, and I apologise for this digression towards Liverpool, even when we when we don't have the usual Liverpool fans here, we seem to be drawn back to Merseyside. But uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you, Steve Bruce, I'm sure in, in your mm. career he's probably kicked you a few times while he tackled you. It was the same club as him. What? Gillingham. Yeah, started my yeah. career. Me and Stephen Bruce. You never saw that team? That, a bit before my time. Yeah, but me, me and Bruce. Yeah, but his missus it. made me breakfast one one morning and brought it down <laughs> when I stayed over his in his house and yep. uh, okay. made me very welcome. Was he there? Yeah, yeah, he was and there. He was okay. playing, uh, and he ate a breakfast that red, red rum wouldn't have jumped. Was he, it was, was massive. Playing, was he playing <laughs> midfield? He, well, no, he wasn't really a centre-half, but he could do. Yeah, yeah, he could do. He's very good in the ball, Paddy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which sets me up to my question. You know, fast forward uh, uh, to the yeah. future. You know, his, his nose is a little more out of shape. He's put on a few pounds, and we all have. He's out of the pies, yeah. Um, 
this Sunderland team, they haven't won a game mm. since since January 22nd. Um, you know, we, we had Calkin on, and he says, oh, but the injuries. Well, you know what? All those injuries, it's pretty much done. He has a mm. big squad. You know, most of these guys are fit now. Um, Darren Bent's gone, but they got a lot of money for him. I think yeah. most of us believed it was good business at the time. Well, what's the problem? Why are Sunderland so terrible? I mean, he could be sucked into the relegation battle. Yeah. Well, they had a period, didn't they? Jeanne, Welbeck, mm. and Ben all looking mm. really lively, looking like eight goals, and he could even afford to leave one of them out in any particular game. They had the amazing result at Chelsea 3 0, that, you know, just everyone was shocked by it, rightly so. Six. Yeah, it could have been more. Um, and Steve's team defended very, very well, for certainly in the opening part of the season. They were very good, strong defensively. Um, I, I, I saw the game against Man City, and it was quite funny. Before the game, I said, you know what? The Guyanian boys have all played brilliantly against England, and they all three of them were playing for Sunderland, and I weren't sure how Jean was going to be at Man City <laughs> after he played so well against England. And I thought it was going to be a horrendous night for them. There's been a, bit, a little bit of... Uh, lack of belief in them since you know Bent went you're going to lose goals without doubt you're going to lose goals if you let, let Bent go and then from there Jeanne is not really a goal scorer I think he's a, a guy that goes all over the place he work hard and he'd be creative Welbeck was injured come back and I think the Fraser belief Fraser Campbell injured. yeah Fraser Campbell so they've lost quite a bit but with that they're making individual mistakes. And Steve Bruce has touched on it. If you're going to be... You know, we touched on Blackpool earlier in the day. If you're going to be conceding goals on a regular basis, it doesn't half make your job harder, especially as you've lost forwards as well. So I think he's found it. It's, it, it's a situation I bet he just can't wait to get to the end of the season. Stay up, get to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, I get the sense Cass has quite a bit of sympathy for his former I've breakfast no mate, Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. Exactly. <laughs> so you're not giving him a pass not, after all no, the money. I'm not saying... I'm well, not, I, when it comes to managers, I always say good managers or I think good managers are the ones where they might win a couple, then they lose one and they you know, when they're with an average team because it shows me that they're, they're when they're doing well, when they're doing poorly or they have a poor game, they stay on the same focus, they still keep going the same way. Steve Bruce, there's a lot of managers, Bobby Gould was one, when, he, when they're winning, everything's uh, great oh, yeah. we're all great, we're all brilliant and as soon as they lose a couple, everyone's rubbish Everyone, and, and training, he's miserable in training and the players get that feel as well and you go on a long run. I've watched them play. Right at the start of the season, I thought they looked a good side. They had a, a settled side and they had a settled style of playing. You know, and and Elmer, jump in, that's a great point about the settled because it seems like he's fiddling with his team yeah. every single week. And and it had, had to be done. He had Some... Elmer Hammondy on, on the right side of midfield. He had Barnsley at left back who was doing really well for him. He had Mal Bronk playing in the hole behind two strikers. He had uh, Henderson and, and uh, Katamar. Well, you can't have a settled side with Katamar anywhere near no. it because he's always suspended. Yeah. And they had Welbeck and Bent were up front at the time. Welbeck played on the left-hand side coming in field. And I thought their shape, the way they defended was excellent. I went to see them in, in recent weeks and I'm not sure what they're trying to do. And that's when I, I worry about a manager's ability to coach a team when you can't see what their game plan is. And I can't see what Sunderland's game plan is at the moment. I'm biased. I love the Champions League. I think uh, when UEFA created the Champions League, I thought it was a stroke of genius, and I think it's good for the game. But we're not debating that no. right now, but well, we're I debating. I did hear you. Um, I've heard you a lot of times humming the anthem. Exactly. Which is a giveaway. Exactly. And I know all the words, too. Um, now, uh, the only thing is, quarterfinals last week, we like sort of delicately uh, poised quarterfinals, and yet... 
three of the four look pretty much like yeah, dead rubbers. And correct. the other one, the one that's, you know, ooh, look, it's the most uncertain one, is still involves Manchester United having won away to Chelsea. And I might add, Manchester United, to my knowledge, have never lost, uh, have never been knocked out of European competition after winning the first leg. Uh, away yeah. from home, yeah. so Chelsea would have to make history in uh, in, in that regard. Um, is this just like a a freak occurrence? Yeah, that they're so unbalanced. Well, it's, it's not just that. It's uh, it, I mean, the final is Barcelona Manchester United. I'll tell you now. And Cass, you're a betting man. What, what odds <laughs> would you give me that against? It, it being a Manchester United Barcelona final, it's there. Well, we know, Barcelona and we haven't even had favorites. the second leg of the quarters so, yet. Yeah, well, Barcelona stand out favourites, um, and they obviously can't meet. You're probably looking around to two to one, five to two. Max. Yeah, there you um, are. I mean, that's extraordinary. That's the, extraordinary. By the way, have you looked at previous years to see if this is a one-off? This particular year, three of the quarterfinals are so. Yeah, it is a one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah I, I do. I, I, I don't. I would. I was. That's why I say this year. I think it's just one of them rare occasions that there has been some massive victories in the first leg. Mm. And I think also one of those unbalanced games was was a remarkable upset as well. Mm. Um, Inter, you know, a, a Inter against the yeah. against but, but again, Inter defensively have been shocking in recent weeks. Yeah. I saw them against AC Milan. I saw them against Shog- you know they've got players that I don't think are good enough. They don't read danger. They don't see situations. They've got Inter Milan have gone from the best defensive team in Europe last yeah. year. <laughs> One of the worst. Well, they're one of the worst, and that's because of the coach. I think the other unforgivable, unforgivable thing he did, and, and this I thought was really bad, was, you know, you're right. So you've thrown the game away. It's two-two. You go goal down to three-two. Why don't you stop and remember that it's the first leg of mm. a two-legged quarterfinal? that you've won away from home against Bayern Munich, that you're playing Schalke, who are not a good team at all, mm. and that if it's not working for you tonight, you don't need to go and win this game right there. Because I think that's what killed them. It's just two stupid goals yeah. that they gave up on the, um, that they gave up on, on, be, on the break. It wouldn't have been a great result, but it wouldn't have been such a bad Three result. Two. They, yeah. can, they can go to Gelsenkirchen and win 2-0, no problem. Mm-hmm. But now they have to win 4-0, which just ain't going to happen. Mm. Um Look at the other ones, and I'm sorry about the Leonardo thon here. Um, Spurs. I, I, I kind of feel like Real Madrid. I don't kind of feel like I'm pretty convinced Real Madrid are the second best team in the world. I, I, I think it's a Martina Navratilova, Chris Everett situation, mm-hmm. um, where Martina is a lot better than Chrissy, but Chrissy's much better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said that, but that was a sickening opinion on my part um, recently. But. Uh, Am I wrong? I mean, is this 4-0 over Spurs just well, par for the course? I, I, I saw the game at uh, Real Madrid against Spurs. They, they, they didn't look impressive. I was thinking about your opinion all through the game, actually. Um, but no, Real Madrid technically weren't brilliant uh, against Spurs. Well, I'll tell you what they were. They were the hardest-working <laughs> Real Madrid team I have ever seen in my life. Are you surprised? And I have been watching, <laughs> not in the slightest. I'm not Are you surprised they look a better team? Yeah, well, I mean, work. if you're quite good and you work yeah. like a demon, you're going you're gonna to slaughter anybody well, on a regular basis. When, when you look at the, the, this playing squad, you chuck in the manager. Yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of a mismatch. Yeah, it, well, it, well, it is. And I mean, I, I, watching the first game, I mean, Real Madrid for 45 minutes were pretty mediocre. That really get their noses in front, get a player sent off. Second half, ten men, Tottenham, and they really struggled. You know, apart from all their stars, 
Adebayor up against Gallas was a mismatch because Adebayor, it was that typical one, being at the same club, he probably knows he can outrun Gallas, he knows he can outjump him, and he did exactly that. Do you know what really disappointed me in that game was that Michael Dawson, who's now become an England player, wasn't saying to Gallas, let me have a go at him. In our day, I'm sure, I know it's going back at... Tony Adams might have said to, I don't know, Dave O'Leary or whoever, I'll take him. That never happened once. The whole night, Adebayo just got on Gallas. And so right, so the gen- genus was marking for the corner. For the corner. I say, I, I have not played professional football like you gentlemen. I, I would have thought that you have a manager who gets paid a lot of money to do marking assignments on set pieces. And yeah, you do. Regarding yeah. your, your, your Adams, David O'Leary one. Yes, he, Adams is six foot five, O'Leary's a midget. So, yes, I, I could see that. Yeah, well, you, sometimes in games, but, if one's do- if your mate's getting dominated and you think I'll have a go, but, but, at him, but you I'm saying, you do is, it. who is who, who is who well, is who Harry's is Dawson, got to take responsibility? But who was Dawson picking up in the first place? Who, 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 I mean, well, they only had Adibayo, well, or, or Pepe, or what? what, this, is what this is why you'll always have the argument between zonal marking and, and, and man marking. You know, I just go back to the initial point was. Michael Dawson has to take responsibility, taking out Adebayor. And yes, you're right, the corner, genius, ends up picking up Adebayor. Now, that's got to come from the sidelines as well. Yeah. The, yeah. the coaches have got to be able to spot, spot that what was happening out there was that William Gallas got the absolute pants ripped off him yeah. by Adebayor. He bullied him, he, he took him, he dragged him around. OK, he wasn't, apparently wasn't fit before the game. That's no good to you, is it? No. Anybody think Spurs can overturn the result? No. 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 OK, that's easy there. Um, Barcelona and Shakhtar Donetsk, um, I've been talking about no. Mircea Luchescu, was kind of romantic <laughs> notion. That, you know, they do have the great home record, although their incredible home record, their, their streak has, has now been broken as well. Um, so again, Shakhtar, mm. no shot. Despite the fact that they've got the leading goal scorer in the uh, Champions League, in um, uh, Eduardo, no. He's been leading goal scorers. Uh, Leo Messi. Per by minute. The, by the way. Per minute. Per minute. Is Eduardo. It's one of those goofy statistics. That no, it's not. <laughs> I'll tell you, may I just briefly say this? I think that goal scoring statistics are in, in are a disgrace to journalism. Because if you if you have cricket, you have the bowling and batting averages, they relate to the number of balls faced or bowled. In football, you just tell the number of goals. You don't even distinguish with penalties and you, or games played yeah. or anything like that. And uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I just I, felt can, like saying that. I bet Chicharito agrees with you, by the way. And so yeah, does Super think, Mario Balotelli. Yep, well, there you are then. And if, if those two agree with me, I'm very comfortable with my opinion. Um, just as an aside about goal-scoring statistics, Leo Messi has scored, scored two goals this weekend, and we should mention this. Um, he has equaled the record for goals in a season um, for, for a player based in Spain. He's equaling the mark set by Ferenc Puskas, um, the original Ronaldo in that magical season with Barcelona. And, of course, Messi himself, who had the mark last year. Um, as I reckon it, he's got between 9 and 12 games left this season. Mm-hmm. So he will, you assume, he will definitely break the record. Um, and the really creepy thing is that he's just 23 years mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. But as I say, if his, if, if his, the six years he's had so far as a professional, if he repeats that in the next six years, he will be the all-time leading scorer in Spanish football before his 29th birthday. <laughs> I mean, this is how disturbingly good yes. Leo Messi is. And sometimes it's good, I think, to take a step back and appreciate that. Uh, Chelsea United, um, or United-Chelsea, I should say, that that is the uncertain uh, semi-final. 
somebody want to make a case of why Chelsea will go through or what Chelsea need to do to go through? Oh. Stuart. Uh, yeah, go on. Well, I think they've got to they've got to play quite directly. I think he's got to uh, go back to a system that suits the players. They've got to, uh, Alex Ferguson said he set his team up to play against Chelsea, who were going to overload the midfield. Well, Chelsea didn't actually overload their midfield against Manchester United, and that's the one area where I think you can dominate Manchester United. I don't think they defend very well in midfield. No. Giggs defended brilliantly on the night, and, and so did Park on that left hand side. But I think you can get at Carrot, you can get at Giggs, you can get at Skulls if he plays. They're the air Anderson, whoever they. are I don't think they're a good defensive I mean, Scholes, team. If you go at them, uh, Scholes, Vidic, Vidic for me is the most overrated player I've ever seen in my life. Uh, ever? Yes. I, and I remember, I mean, Chelsea have got Fernando Torres on in the squad for, for Tuesday. You remember what Torres did to, has done to Vidic? Mind Over the long years? time ago. He hasn't done yeah. that to too many players in recent times, has he? I, I think it was a different Torres. Scholes can't walk on a pitch without picking up a, a yellow card. If Chelsea really go at players like that, hmm. they can get them. Manchester United won't finish with 11 on the field. So I, I disagree with, with Paddy there on, on, on Vidic. I think you know he's had Ferdinand for parts of the season, Smalling alongside him, and I think both have played exceptionally well. And yeah, he, he lives on the edge. I think he's that type of defender. But I think you know if you were to pick a centre half who's had a, as good a year as anybody, I would put him definitely the, at the forefront of that. Can they be beaten? I think no accommodating from Ancelotti. Don't think if you start accommodating football and playing players that um, you know are, are not complementing what you're trying to do, and I think he's accommodated too many he's trying to reshuffle a pack to a, maybe it's Torres that has to come out of the team maybe he's dropping yeah. it Whoever, you just pick the side that we said you, everybody's going to know their job they won their Old Trafford in the league they can do it Man United are beatable I think we're all pretty much in agreement in that it's, but they've got to get it all spot on yeah. and they can't be out of shape they have to be absolutely spot on on the way they're going to attempt the game. And I do think Benny Ayoum is the one player, if I had to add a little bit of trickery into their team, he was one player, maybe not to start, that certainly could give United yeah. something different to think about. And you... Maybe not wide, maybe central midfield, mm. because what Stuart and Paddy touched on, the midfield weaknesses of United defending, he's the type of guy that could unravel the, the play to set Chelsea Yeah, if, if, if they pick a team with one centre-forward and I don't care which of the two it is, mm. and uh, and uh, if you like, the one centre-forward to play the part of Lineker or Rush, and Ben Ayun to play the part of Beardsley, if you see what I mean, you know, the one striker in front of the other, and 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 really go at Manchester United. I think they can turn it you over. Had to go a long way back there, Paddy, didn't you, to find that combination? <laughs> well, it's, it's just uh, Ben Ayun reminds me of Beardsley. Uh, it, he you can know, get a lovely... goal. He can find yeah. a pass, and he's yes. he's got he's a clever player. They have to dominate now, midfield. That's yes, the area they've got to that, get mentioned. Uh, dominate that midfield area. Get run players the game from beyond. There. But they have the got play, yes, and yes, exactly, and but not not. Yeah, I mean, but they've got they've, there is a. If you look at the squads, man for man, and say now pick eleven out of that out of Chelsea and pick eleven out of Manchester United, you'd say well Chelsea are slightly better. And one thing just on on that, uh, Gab, is that the game that when AC Milan 
lost at home against Tottenham. And you could see the difference of the effect of Tottenham having a away, away victory. That, that They were quite negative in their approach at White Hart Lane. You know, what sort of approach are United going to have? They only know, for me, one way to play. And if this game's hanging in the edge, I think I think you'll see an edginess about Man United. Having sort of said, we've all said how it can, how we think it, it can be done. Having said that, I don't think it will happen. Mm. Because I don't think at Chelsea at the moment that there is the there is the structure there. I don't think Ancelotti Ancelotti's been put under impossible pressure. I don't think he's managing as well as he could be. Well, Carlo, these three wise men told you how you go and get past uh, Manchester United. Um, the question is, will you follow their advice or, or will you follow your advice own advice? from above? That was, that was the cheeky Paddy Barkley. <laughs> he's been identified. How about some quick hits? Sir Alex makes a million changes to his lineup, but Fulham are nevertheless swept away. Uh, Paddy, this one's easy to answer. For somebody who's written a, a successful biography of him, anyway, uh, how does he do it? Available from all good Amazons. It, uh, I, I, listen, I only wrote a hundred thousand words on him. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's basically uh, his, he's the, what was it? Somebody said genius is the infinite capacity for pay, taking pains. No manager in the history of the game has worked as hard or uh, as applied intelligence for as long uh, and with such ferocity as Sir Alex Ferguson. He just basically knows so much. That's the answer. The big brain of Fergie. Uh, Chelsea have a stinker, but nevertheless get past Wigan at 1-0. Uh, Stuart, were there, were there minds on the Champions League, or is there a deeper issue? Uh, probably were on the Champions League, but there is a deeper issue, deeper issue. I think Chelsea, ever since they beat Arsenal 2-1 at home when they played very defensive football and tried to play on the counter-attack, since then they haven't been able to raise the game. When they've needed to lift their game up to another level, another tempo, they've struggled to do so. If you play at one level and you play with complacency for a length of time... When you try and build it up, it always goes wrong. They've played the wrong formation in recent times. They've had uh, a front player that doesn't look as though he's going to score goals that's, that's cost £50 million. There's deeper issues at Chelsea. Wolves needed a result against Everton. Instead, they got a hammering. Thankfully, given how tight it is in the bottom half of the table, they can still get out of it. Mm. Uh, Cass, what does your fellow born-and-bred Irishman Mick McCarthy need to do? Well, uh, sadly, the first 20 minutes against Everton, they played really well, and he mm. went ambitious. He went with two up front, Blakes uh, and also Fletcher and they looked like they were going to win the game and end up getting beat 3-0 for me how are they going to change it I think they have to keep their work away. the loss of Doyle's massive for Wolves he's fundamental to how they play Mick's got to find an answer oh, sorry I knew my phone was going to go sorry <laughs> <laughs> OK, Gavin, now one for you. I thought Louis van Gaal was going to stick around at Bayern until the end of the season. Now apparently he's been sacked. What's going on there? Uh, what's going on there is that uh, Bayern have just, I think, completely dropped the ball. They they they, they, they sacked uh, uh, van Gaal at the weekend. Uli Hoeneß had a very angry conversation. Uh, this is what you call a long and painful divorce. Divorce is never pretty, but if it does happen, it should happen quickly. And the point is van Gaal probably should have gone in September. Some people might say he should have never been appointed. Instead, they've dragged us out forever. Uh, there's too many big egos, too many volatile minds in the room. Uh, Van Hal's going to go. And by the way, since people will, people are wondering, like, oh, is he going to go manage uh, Liverpool? Is he going to Newcastle? No, Van Hal's going nowhere. He's going to take a year off and then maybe a sanatorium. I'm not sure. That's all we've got time for today, but thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. We know you have options. And remember, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk for all your news, your gossip, your analysis, and also our web chats. Mine is on Mondays. Patty's yours is on? Tuesday. 
fantastic. Patty on Tuesday, and you can also catch Ollie Kay and Graham Spears later in the week. Uh, many of us are on Twitter. Follow us there. Um, like, shall we do this next week? Why not? Catch you next time. Thank you.